0: Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Do you want to save money at the grocery store? Eat more organic, whole foods? Cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food
1: With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson.
0: Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Brian Smith to talk about his experience with biochar. Brian is a systems engineer and project manager living in North Phoenix. For the past 30 years, he has worked for GE, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, and Honeywell on software for flight control systems in commercial and military aircraft. Recently, he became an entrepreneur and started a small software development company. To balance his high-tech career, he has enjoyed more simple hobbies like making beer, woodworking, and organic gardening. Yay! During the Great Recession, he purchased a foreclosed property that had been neglected and abused for many years, and he has spent the last eight years renovating both the indoors and outdoors. After removing five layers of different landscape stone that the previous owners had covered the yard with, he spread several inches of arborist wood chips over the dirt to reduce water loss and increase soil fertility. In the backyard, he converted a broken down diving pool into a private aquifer by filling it with rock and gravel, connecting a pump to the drain pipe and covering it with topsoil. He now has several fruit trees and a veggie garden growing on top of three to 4,000 gallons of secure rainwater. How cool is that? Welcome to the show today, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Very glad to be here. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now?
2: Yes. Well, I moved here to the Phoenix area from Fort Worth, Texas to get a job at Honeywell. Uh-huh. And at the time, having sold a house there i i was in a an apartment for quite a while and finally through the, after the recession i bought a, a renovated home fairly close to to the hunwheel plant in north phoenix um, it was unlivable and it was a challenge <laughs> so my wife yeah it had to put a new roof on it uh, ce- ceilings had fallen in kitchen need to be replaced floors need to be replaced. Wow. I did prim, so you know took my time and enjoyed it and a big part of it was the outdoors. It was bare dirt in the front yard and it was a weedy stony backyard Uh with a with a broken down pool and I did a lot of shoveling I did a lot of sifting stone and sand uh, a lot of digging and wheelbarrowing stuff around, but it was all worth it. Took nice. me about two, two to three years. Built a block wall around it, uh-huh. and as, as you mentioned, filled in the pool. People couldn't quite figure out what I was doing with uh, <laughs> nice. four, four dump trucks of large rock that I that I had delivered uh-huh. on site, and uh, wheeled them into the backyard, filled up the pool, and now I've got all that nice, clean, fresh water down
0: there. I can pump it out. Nice. So, kind of like a wicking pad, is it not?
2: Yeah, sort of. I, for the trees I've planted around it, I do know that they've, they've gone down and found the water with oh, the yeah. roots. For the veggies, I use drip uh, you know, drip irrigation, yeah. so I, I can collect that water, but also I've run my gutters down into oh, some, some nice. gravel, gravel channels yeah so when it ra- when it rains, I pick up about a quarter of my roof space and goes down directly mm-hmm. down in, and so about an inch of rain
0: gives me a thousand gallons down there nice nice yeah. so, so and you've been experimenting with this thing and i and I've been wondering what it is it's called biochar and I have to I have a quick story to tell you so Heidi my sweetheart says to me last night I I was sharing with her that I was going to be talking with you about biochar and she said Greg what is biochar and I said well that's a good question I think it's something that you burn and when you're done with it it's really good fertilizer but that's about what I know about what it is so can you share with us what biochar is yeah let me let me
2: correct that a little bit Uh burning wood and that is charcoal Ah. and biochar biochar goes beyond that if you a technical definition could be it's bioactive pyrogenic carbon as a soil amendment by pyrogenic i mean it's created from from fire right and that but but is bioactive so you we infuse it with Nutrients that fungus and microbes can grow on it. The charcoal is a lattice structure. Uh It absorbs water Uh and organic chemicals, and then the bacteria and fungus grow on it. That you need in in your soil your soil web a cycle your Mm -hmm. soil cycle. Right, and it's different. It's different than carbon that you add in compost compost will rot and decompose over time, right? And so you're constantly adding compost. But the charcoal doesn't decompose in the sun and it doesn't go away. It pretty much stays in the soil almost forever. Uh-huh. There to to get into the history of it a little bit. Please. So, I was I've been doing research on this uh for the past 4 or 5 years and there's a there's a YouTube video out there called the Secret of El Dorado. It's called Terra Preta, and Terra Preta is is where this originally started. It means dark earth in Portuguese, mm-hmm. and and in the Amazon they found places that had such black dirt you could dig it up and use it for fertilizer and that's in the amazon where uh-huh. everybody knows you, know, you they they burn the trees down in order to get ash in the soil right. and then it's exhausted i mean that's that's why they're destroying so much forest but at the same time there's all these really rich places and so they've done the research on it and tried to figure out what that is now if you go out in and looking at biochar um there's a lot of articles out there, and most of them are on how to, how to make it, how to burn charcoal and what to do with it. You till you it into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to add compost or something, something like that to it. Their biochar is found mostly in the Amazon, but they've discovered in a few places in other parts of the world. Uh, there are some places in sub-Saharan Africa that just recently, they, they talk about how it's been used over there in a National Geographic article. The Great Plains of North America. You look at this huge area in the center of our country mm-hmm. that is so fertile. And it's because there were grass fires going over since the, for 10,000 years, right. since the last uh, ice ages. And those grass fires would go across so fast that they they wouldn't burn completely, and they drop charcoal. And year after year after year, you drop tiny bits of charcoal that worked their way down into the ground. Mm. And the dirt... You go into Kansas and Iowa and all these places, and the soil is black. Mm. And that black mm-hmm. is, is carbon. And that's where it comes from. Interesting. Yeah. So, in academia... They sort of, the, the various agricultural colleges have come across this in the in the mid-90s. They've been doing research. You need as little as 5% by volume for, of, of this carbon in the soil to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Some, some people put a lot more. I've been using it for about four years now. I had an eggplant with a couple dozen fruit. I just harvested a spaghetti squash a couple weeks ago. I had 15 squashes off of one plant. Wow! I mean, and these were all big squashes—the mm-hmm. kind you of buy in the store. It just were—it's—it's it's amazing. It—it it works in both tropical and desert areas. Mm-hmm. It was discovered in the tropics, but it worked, and it's good there because it absorbs water and right. it holds the water. But it's also very good here in the desert. Because the, when the, it absorbs the water, it doesn't let le- things leach out, and it releases the water slowly. Mm-hmm. And then it builds that soil food web that is so deficient in our, in our va- valley soils. Yeah.
0: So it sounds to me like biochar probably has a lot of micronutrients in it that release over time. It, it does. And
2: those micronutrients are essential to, to growing. Um, you've heard of a food web. Oh, yes. You know, like, you know, they, you know, you have your grazers eating grass and the predators eat the grazers and mm-hmm. and then the scavenger. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that same cycle takes place underground. Plants ah. use photosynthesis to create sugar and 50% of the sugar in a plant leaches into the soil. And that Sugar feeds microbes and fungus, which use the sugar to create acids, and eat leach etch minerals off the sand and the mm-hmm. rocks and the soil, and then make that into something that's soluble for the plants. So you have that cycle of right. plants feeding the fungus, and what what we do with biochar is give a place for that those. Fungus mm-hmm. and microbes give them a place to live, yeah, and give them a place to, to 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 put their food essentially, yeah. And it's there's so much microscopic space in the matrix of charcoal that it's just you know you get a lot of growth there, yeah. It's, so and that's part of the, the, the chemical the chemical processes of
0: it, yeah. So, how did you discover biochar, and how long have you been using it in gardening, and what effects have you seen?
2: Okay, I actually discovered it, it was mentioned in the Valley Permaculture Association. They have a forum, online forum. Uh-huh. Uh, that association, they've, they've, they've changed a little bit, and they don't maintain that website anymore. But that was the first time I heard the word, so I went out and started doing some research on it.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And some people would say, "Well, what's the difference between biochar and charcoal?" And, and I was going to be in my next what, question. Yeah, and the difference is that biochar is charcoal that's bioactive. Mm, all right. It it actually that. lets yeah it lets things grow. And it stays in the soil. Once you put it in, it's there forever. Mm -hmm. It lasts. Mm -hmm. It'll last in the Amazon, three thousand years. Yeah. So, what I do is I use uh, compost tea. And for for those people who have been on the website and and any or pretty much any organic uh, gardening forum Mm -hmm. talks about. Make, making compost tea. And there's a lot of different ways to make it. I do it simple. I just throw my compost in and maybe add a teaspoon of sugar or something. But there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh-huh. Once you have the compost tea, I pour it over the charcoal and let it soak in. It doesn't take long, a couple hours, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I have it. It's all done. It's ready. I can throw that in. If it's wet, I can let it dry out. It's it's ready to use. One other thing I do though is I add mycorrhizae, which is fungus spores. Mm, can, yes. It's a commercial. Yeah, <laughs> I I like uh, the Great White product. You can get that. You can buy that. And just little, it's a quarter teaspoon of powder. Right. you Put in, and it and I've added fungus already. I don't even have to wait for um, for the plants. Uh, wait for it to get into the ground
0: Yeah, interesting I Just just today I had a 40 pound bag Of Microriza arrive here at the house So Ooh. yeah. I've, I, so I've had this experience Recently, this friend of mine, Jake Mace He's the uh, vegan athlete uh, He has been, uh-huh. for the past year A and, year and a half or two years He's been adding mycorrhiza And uh, rock dust Azimite rock mm-hmm. dust Into his gardens And when I was over there 2 3 months ago 2 months ago it was amazing how things were thriving uh, so this yes. whole, this whole notion of of feeding the soil is so incredibly important
2: it is yeah. it is the the amazing thing about uh, the biochar to me is that you do it once and it's there forever yeah and this is this is this is what i call an infrastructure type
0: thing. Mm, yes, it it
2: it's it's like, you know, it's like the, the water pipes underground, right? And the and the elect electric conduits underground. It's something you don't see, but if you take the time and you put it down there, it really, in in a civilized society, it's what makes a difference between a first world country and a third world country. Okay, yeah. it's. It's the things that are hidden. It's the roads. Well, roads aren't hidden, but your roads and your, your sewage lines and your electrical lines and your, your gas lines and, mm-hmm. and everything that make the civilization work. Yeah. In the same way, I, I believe that biochar, this charcoal buried in the soil mm-hmm. to enhance the productivity is going to make the difference in our world because, you know, we, we, we're seeing a climate change. Oh, yeah. We're seeing a change where carbon dioxide in the air is affecting things. It's uh, a pound of charcoal has two pounds of carbon dioxide in it. Wow. If you, on, on, a mole, on a molecular basis. Yeah. If you bury a pound of charcoal, you've just taken two pounds of carbon dioxide out of the air, which will never will won't return in our lifetime, won't maybe not return for three or four thousand years. Yeah. And and as we start putting that in the desert soils and, and soils around the world, it's going to make a difference for generations to come. So how can um, how can we make this? Well the simple way and the way I've been making it for the last three or four years is I go out and have a campfire in my backyard. Oh. And my 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 wife brings over a little bit of wine and I have my beer and we sit down, with a little bit of crackers, and it's a tough process, but
0: somebody's got to. <laughs> no Kidding. Uh, all right, all right, all right. So uh, hold on here. Hold on here. You're telling me you burn some wood in your in your barbecue in your backyard. Bag-
2: yes. And-, and and what I do I, I burn it and I wait for the pretty much the yellow flame to go out. Okay. It takes me 15 minutes. I'll watch it, and when the yellow flame goes away, now you know that the wood gas is gone mm-hmm. and all that's left is car- carbon. I go over with a pair of tongs, t- pick it up and drop it in a bucket of water. It quenches it instantly, and the 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 water going in shocks the 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 charcoal and expands it it's a it's a oh wow yeah it, it actually it, it it's like it's a it's a steaming process that Sound, they use but sounds
0: spectacular to me really that ex- yeah. that explosion when you dunk it in water all right yeah, and that's how you can't really see that but it's on a microscopic yeah.
2: physical level it opens up the pores and so that the nutrients can then go in right It'll take me, I can fill up a five-gallon bucket of pieces of charcoal in, in about an hour and a half to two hours of burning. So I go through a fair amount of just ordinary firewood. Yeah. Then what I, then what I do is I'll lay, I will lay it out on the ground and let it dry for two days. And then I, I drop it into my Toro leaf blower. Actually, I find that's a really simple way. You can do other things. You can put it in a in a bag and crush it. For a long time, I used like a mortar and pestle uh-huh. with a with a stone in that. Uh, you basically want to crush it up so it's it'll go through a half inch hardware cloth hmm, to, okay. to to strain it out. You don't want large chunks. You don't want really fine stuff because the if you're working with it and you let it dry out too much, that the charcoal dust just flies everywhere. Yeah. So, so, so keep it damp in that. Hmm. And then, then I just pour my compost tea over it. Now, that's what I've been doing. It's really simple. It's a backyard process. Anybody can do it. Uh, there are a couple other ways. The, the way that has, they've been using for thousands of years is you dig a cone-shaped hole in the ground, mm-hmm. and you start a, start a fire in the bottom, and you, you lay wood on it. As that wood starts to burn and, and, and is burning well, you lay another six to eight inches on top of that. So you're you're covering up the wood below and the, the wood on top is starting to burn. And you keep burning layers and layers and layers until you get up to the top. And then you cover the whole thing over with dirt,
0: hmm. four or
2: five inches of dirt. Uh-huh. And what that... What that does is as the burning comes up, it smothers the bottom, but the bottom is hot. And it continues to burn in the absence of oxygen. Mm. So, so without the oxygen, you're not going to turn into ash. Right. And when you cover the top over, then again, you, re- you eliminate the oxygen and that whole pile will turn to charcoal. You wait two days and dig down in it. And, and you've got a whole pile of charcoal. That's the, a lot of the ways either you build an underground kiln like that right. or you build a, a stove on top. And there, you can go out and look at this in a couple. There's 40 or 50 different videos on YouTube on how to do how this. How to make it, yeah. How to make it. The, the neat way to do it, it, which is really a high-tech way, it's called a T-LUD, top-lit updraft. And what that is, you you fill a, a, you poke holes in the bottom of a 55-gallon drum, you put wood chips on top, and you light it from the top, and it burns down. Hmm. So as the, as the line of ignition moves down, okay, as it burns down the combustion, uh-huh. that, that burns up all the oxygen, and there's no oxygen left that none, nothing left on top, so yeah. the top isn't burning to ash, and you burn all the way down to the bottom of the barrel. And when, that, when you get to the bottom, then you have to smother it. Then you, you move it off so the hmm, no air comes through the holes, and you put something on top. And you've got charcoal right there. Uh, the only thing left to do is infuse it with nutrients with compost tea or uh, compost. I was going to say you've got to activate it. Yes, you got to activate it. You've got to put the, the nutrients in it. Hmm. The, the neat thing about that is there's very little smoke because there's no combustion. And, and go, you can go out and look at this. The, there's two really good videos, one called Making Biochar for Small Farms mm-hmm. by John Rogers, and the other one is Biochar for Cookstoves with Chris Farmer. And both of those are very good videos. And if those come up on your screen, you're going to see another 10 or 15 more videos that you can look at. Yeah. If you, that's for if you want to make, you know, 50 to 100 pounds of, of charcoal at a time, if you're really going to it.
0: Well, and if um, you have a big garden, that could easily be done, huh?
2: That could. That yeah. could. And I do know that there are some places that sell it online. You can,
0: um, that was going to be the next a guy question a for box. you. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think it runs about twenty-five to thirty dollars a cubic foot.
0: Oh, but
2: there's only a couple places that I found that have sold it, and they run out real quickly. <laughs> so you, you'd have to look at that. In my yeah. mind,
0: it, it's easy to make. Yeah, I was going to say we just need to get we just need to get over that we need to get it from somebody else and just make it. Dang it. <laughs> yes
2: if if a whole bunch of people are starting to make it, then you know everybody's contributing right. I and mean, as an industrial process, I know that there are a lot of um cities that burn their um the wood right the, you know when trees yeah. are cut in the cities Gainesville is well known Gainesville, Florida is well known for it's it's called the I think it's City of Trees is its is its nickname, but they actually have a large city um, electric plant that is run off of wood. Oh, uh, interesting pyro- pyrolysis. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't think they save the charcoal. I think they burn it to ash. Hmm. And if they could start putting it into the ground uh, on an industrial basis, yeah. I think it would be a a really good thing but they haven't started doing that
1: yeah. wow
0: this is really interesting thanks for sharing that
2: yeah it um it's one of those things that it's it's has been lost yeah over it there's nothing new under the sun the human race has <laughs> discovered a lot of things yeah. and forgotten a lot of things yeah yes
0: yeah. so how do you use it in gardening and fruit with fruit trees you just when you're planting you just spread some in the space and be on your merry um, way
2: there's there's a couple different ways. one is if you have enough of it, you spread it over the ground, say about two two anywhere from an inch to two inches thick, and just till it in Wow what i've done what I've done is because it took a while to make it, and I, it took me time. I start out with digging my my starts uh-huh. my my tomato plants, my peppers my eggplant things like that. I'll take about oh a quart of it and I'll dig a hole down and stir it up with the compost and that and put my start in it. And if I do that every year and just move them around a little bit, yep. after 4 or 5 years the entire garden has has it. Wow. If you're planting a tree or something, I'll use more. I'll use probably about a gallon to a gallon mm-hmm. and a half. And if you normally dig a two to three-foot diameter hole, you're nice and wide for that tree the way they suggest, mm-hmm. you just put it in and stir, stir it around with some compost and then fill it in. And it really makes a big difference. Wow. Uh, I have a I have a mandarin orange tree I bought uh-huh. from Costco about five years ago, and I planted it, and right now it's about three foot high and I think there's about twelve oranges on it this year. Wow, nice. And in the in the backyard I planted a second one the following year from Costco. Mandarin orange tree, identical. I put biochar on it. And it is now eight feet tall wow. and I'm gonna get about a gallon a gallon of oranges. You can see, I mean there's one is more than twice as big yeah. as than the other. It's just amazing. Wow. Cool. Just amazing.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for that, and I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it.
2: I would have to say my biggest failure in this area has been um, my first three years of veggie gardening in Phoenix. They were absolute disasters. You know, starting out planting carrots and spinach in April uh, just doesn't work. Oops. Oops. Yeah, yeah. So... So the way I overcame that is, you know, after I just saw that nothing's growing and what did grow get, got burned out, I started asking people for help. Good. I, um, Good. And very fortunately, I was able to discover the, the Permaculture, Valley Permaculture Association and started looking around and discovering got planted different times and different ways and that because I had come from the Seattle area and... Very, very different types. Ooh. Oh, that so, is the case. So, Yeah. So, I would, yeah. When when you fail, someone else out there is successful at doing this in yeah. some way. Find those people. And that's probably my what I've done.
0: Perfect. Yeah. What do you consider your biggest success?
2: My big, biggest success at this point in, in gardening has been the discovery of biochar. Mm-hmm. It has just been amazing, uh, to the extent that, you know, from time to time I would use pesticides and various things when the bugs come along, and and I'd lose half my crop. Or so now, I get so much out of my garden, that doesn't even bother me anymore. Nice. I mean, let the let the bugs, let the caterpillars and everything have their fair share, mm-hmm. because it is so so productive, that I can take whatever I need off of it, there's still fruit left, throw that back in the compost and just recycle everything. It just doesn't bother me anymore to to, to lose plants to, to bugs and insects.
0: Yeah, nice. So what drives you?
2: What drives me? I discover my passions and my, you know, whatever, what engages me I can get excited about, I mean, whether it's, you know, I've, I've raised four kids and I'm, I'm proud of what they do and they -hmm. they engage me all the time. I've been, I've been a sailor. I've sailed. I've worked with wood. I make wine and beer. I've been elected to public office. I I renovated my house. All these various things, you know, can you, it's, it's the doing, it's the accomplishment and when you can see that that when i see that that's what engages me and so i'm yeah. i'm more of a do, doer than a than a talker i think yeah i love to talk though but yeah i,
0: I really <laughs> yeah, like let's get out and moves. do something yeah yeah i do i do yeah, cool so i'm all about education and i have to know where do you go for your learning
2: i go to the internet yeah and it's it used to be books mm-hmm. but now you know, you're you're two or three clicks away from do it yourself or a forum or YouTube or whatever, there is so much information out there that hey, if if I want if I have a something is broken off in the house and I need to repair it, first thing I do is unless I've done it before. I go out to the internet. Yeah. Go out and find the user, yeah. user manuals online. Right, exactly. Um, right. There's so much. Gar- gardening, everybody loves to share about what they've done and what they've done well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's out there for you.
0: Perfect. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
2: My favorite quote is from Stephen Covey. Begin with the end in mind. Hmm. Know what you know what you want to do. You don't necessarily know how to get there, but you know what you want. So begin with the end in mind, and as long as you remember
0: that, you you work your way through life, yeah. and you'll get there. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Brian. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Thank you, thank you. I. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And and so if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you?
2: They could get a hold of me at BD, for Brian Douglas, Smith, smith 54 at gmail.com. Don't have a website, but if you write me and ask for advice on biochar or anything like that, uh, I'll give you my two cents. <laughs> All right,
0: perfect. Perfect, perfect. You can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org backslash biochar well that's it for today thanks for joining us on the urban farm podcast do you want to save money at the grocery store eat more organic whole foods cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth if so then growing your own food is a no-brainer you wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food Remember, that's garden to 44222 or iwanttogarden.com.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org.